0: Welcome to AMA Baltimore Marketing Stories, a podcast dedicated to exchanging ideas and delving into the minds of some of the leading marketers in the greater Baltimore area. Brought to you by AMA Baltimore. In this season, we're taking you behind the scenes of some of the award-winning campaigns and agencies from our 2019 MX Awards. Now, here is your host, Casey Callanan. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the AMA Baltimore podcast. We're talking about marketing stories in the Baltimore area and I actually have a really special guest today. My name is Casey Cowley, and I will be the host of this podcast series, by the way. Just as a little aside on who I am, I work in marketing and communications in the Baltimore area. I am the owner and founder of Clear Contender Media, which is located here in Baltimore, Charm City. And I am so excited to host this series. I'm so excited to get into some of the better marketing campaigns and stories that have been going on in your community in Baltimore, Maryland, in and around this beautiful charm city that is my home and I love so much. So I'm so excited to be your host and let's get this let's get this kicked off. I have with me Emma Wizzelowski. Emma is the director of marketing programs at the National Aquarium here in Baltimore and the National Aquarium is your 2019 Grand MX award winner for their marketing campaign and we're going to dive into it right now, Emma. I want to hear all about this campaign, what you guys did, and before we jump into it, if there's anything you want to say, Welcome to the welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be on, uh, and I'm so thrilled to be able to talk about our award-winning campaign. We were so honored by the award, and we just feel really excited about inspiring people to visit the aquarium and to visit Baltimore.
0: Tell me about the campaign. What was it for someone who has absolutely no background knowledge on it?
1: Sure. So The Water is Calling is a campaign that we launched in the summer of 2018 and it continues to run in key time frames uh, this year as well. And basically the goal of the campaign was to really inspire visitors to connect with the magic and that really like inherent pool that you feel when you're standing in front of the ocean and relate that to a visit to the aquarium. So we really wanted to inspire them to think about their connection with water and then to come connect with all of their animals and with their families at the National Aquarium in Baltimore.
0: Very cool. So kind of capturing that feeling that we've all had the to- The great pleasure of when you're at the beach, just looking out and kind of just losing yourself and how immaculate the ocean is. Is that kind of, am I onto something?
1: Absolutely. Yep. You're hitting the nail on the head there. So we really understand there's actually a lot of scientific research, although don't ask me to speak to that because I'm in marketing, (laughs) that uh, shows that people feel really inspired when they're near the ocean, feel calmer. It's great for your health. Um, And whether you're experiencing a really fun day with friends or family at the beach, or you're just experiencing like some solitude, reflecting at the beach I think most people can relate to that experience and we really wanted to use some beautiful visual imagery to uh, remind people of that experience and then um, share it with some images of our beautiful exhibits and people enjoying their experiences at the aquarium and really link the two together and show you that that's the kind of experience you'll have at the aquarium as well
0: can you describe the creative process? And I know you're marketing, so I won't ask to, to go in too much detail about the scientific end of things. <laughs> but can you describe the creative process and how, how this campaign came to be?
1: Sure. So in actually the end of 2017, it was quite a... Uh, a fun and but long journey for us. Uh, we decided that we needed to bring on a new agency partner, and we started an RFQ process. We actually looked at twenty regional agencies and invited them to um, participate. And we
0: RFQ for those who aren't in the know. Thank you.
1: Request for qualifications. Um, and so we asked agencies to apply to both be considered to be our new creative partner as well as our media strategy partner. Um, and people could bid for a portion of the business or they could bid for both. Uh, We ultimately ended up selecting HC, which is a really great firm that has uh, national offices, but they also have an office here in Baltimore. So our team here was really familiar with our brand and with the National Aquarium. And we were able to work to onboard them in the beginning of last year and really walked hand in hand with them to create this new campaign. It had been a few years since we had created an all new integrated marketing campaign. And one of the key goals that we had in mind setting out was to ensure that people connected with our mission because we are a nonprofit organization which people don't always remember. Um, So connecting people both with our mission but also inspiring them to visit the aquarium because ultimately the goal of our paid media is to drive revenue and attendance. But what we had done really well on our um, owned media channels over the last few years has been really setting up this hopeful brand voice that inspires people to care about the ocean and to care about our ocean planet and we wanted to make sure that with our paid media moving forward we really aligned that brand voice Mm -hmm. and inspired people in that same way while still generating revenue and bringing people through the door so those were kind of the big picture goals of what we were setting out to do and that's what we really challenged hc to work with us to create Um, and so it was a really fun process. We did really deep onboarding with them the beginning of last year, and then they pitched us uh, four different creative concepts, and um, it was actually a really nice gut check moment. Maybe not nice at the moment, but a good gut check for us because we actually are able to do testing on creative concepts, and we worked with a testing partner, and there was one internally that was the clear Above and Beyond winner and spoiler alert it was not the water is calling (laughs) and after we did this creative testing um, we actually got some really interesting feedback from people that not only did they affiliate the water is calling more with the National Aquarium brand in their minds but it also drove them to action it drove them to want to purchase tickets and actionability is really key piece of what we're testing for but the one that was the internal fan favorite actually was a little bit divisive. um, among different demographics so we're like well that's certainly not what we're going for as a brand is to be divisive in any way so um, that was really interesting learning for us and from there um, we were able to take the water's calling concept and look at all of the different channels that we might want to leverage it across in our media strategy and then we moved into production.
0: So what about this campaign is there any part in particular that jumped out at you as kind of what excited you the most about this campaign? Anything like that?
1: So personally, exciting for me was the opportunity to run um, a large-scale production in our building. We are really unique in that we are obviously a visitor-serving organization. And before we do anything in our building, we need to make sure it's not going to impact guests. And then also as a conservation organization, animal health and welfare is, you know, the biggest priority of everything we do. We have 20,000 animals in that building that we want to make sure I get the best care or not negatively impacted and, in fact, are positively impacted by all the things we do. So um, it's a really interesting place to try to schedule a um, large-scale film production. And um, so that was fascinating. I had been part of some smaller productions, some one-offs that we've done mm-hmm. in the building in my time here, but it was really like using all of my problem-solving puzzle... <laughs> Putting together skills to map out when we would um, film and how we would film and getting permissions to make sure that we got all of our key animals in the shots that we wanted, but also that we weren't negatively impacting them, of course. So a lot of coordination with our animal welfare team and our operations team, and really a lot of um, filming overnight. We did like two marathon evening shoots to get everything we needed, and that to me was actually though exhausting, really the most fun part to collaborate with everyone in our building because then when you get the end product, even if they're not in marketing or they don't really understand advertising, they feel really bought in because they were part of the journey. So that was really fun for me.
0: So at what point in this campaign... Did you know you guys were onto something special?
1: Uh, that's a great question. So, we really did a ton of due diligence because it was the first large scale integrated campaign we'd done in several years. Vetting it internally, sharing it with some key external partners as well, got really positive feedback, but you never really know until you're in market how things are going to go. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, we really use attendance and revenue as our key metrics uh, to measure the success of any paid media. So once the summer started and we had been in market for a few weeks, we did start seeing that slight uptick above our attendance projections, right. which is obviously really positive. Mm-hmm. And then As we went through the summer, it wasn't an anomaly. We saw this sustained, increased attendance. Um, We were consistently exceeding projections. And, of course, because we integrated a lot of digital channels into our buy, we were able to, in real time, reflect with HC and look at what was working, what wasn't working, what could be optimized, Mm -hmm. of course, and see where we had some really clear wins and make sure we were putting more money against those. Mm -hmm. And so... By the end of the summer, I would say, which we consider, you know, Labor Day weekend, as most people do, um, we saw that we had a really clear gain year over year. And that to us was the the really clear first milestone of, yes, this is absolutely working. You know, I think we all felt we had something special that was resonating with people. But until you see the outcome ultimately you don't always know Mm -hmm. but that's when we knew that we felt really solid in this campaign Mm -hmm. and it was one that we could leverage for you know some amount of time just like we're continuing to use it this summer
0: what media were you using to reach your audience i want to just ask about how people saw this ad
1: sure so good question we were um so it was really interesting we knew going into this campaign that we had not in the past had the right partner in place to really do everything we could with digital Um, so we were really excited when HC came on board that they had a lot of strength and depth of bench in that area and we felt it was still important to be on television Mm -hmm. so some of the key production pieces of the shoot were three 15 second television spots Mm -hmm. Um, but we also worked to produce five second spots for For social and for other digital applications. And while we still felt it was important to get that exposure on traditional TV, Mm -hmm. we did move more into streaming services, OTT, um, YouTube, and of course featuring videos on social platforms. And then Search really, as I think it is for a lot of people, was our bread and butter. And Mm -hmm. we had worked in Search in the past, but again, being able to be so strategic and layered with all the elements of this campaign definitely set us up for success. So people could see us on television, traditional cable, streaming, et cetera. They could see us on Facebook, yeah. on Google, various properties of Google, Gmail, search, yeah, etc. Yeah. Even Bing. Bing was a moneymaker mm-hmm. for us, which surprises some people.
0: Really? <laughs> Tell me about Bing because I know that I think when I think digital media advertising, Facebook, Google, Those are the two established leaders. Mm -hmm. So tell me about Bing.
1: So Bing was a surprise to all of us as well. And we have some really strong resources in-house working on our own digital channels internally. And they were also very shocked. What we think, and we're still, you know, doing all the data deep dives because every time it outperforms what we expect, Google is still the clear winner in terms of volume, in terms Mm -hmm. of ability to convert. But Bing had an extremely high above, um, you know, benchmark conversion rate for us. And wow. what we were seeing is a lot of people that were using Bing were doing it during the day. So it wasn't necessarily the stereotype of like someone who doesn't know how to change their internet browser. It was maybe some people who were at work, for example, okay. who were, you know, that's what their company yeah. allows them to access okay. through. But some people, I think, were skewing a little bit, um, you know, older in age yeah. and uh, were potentially bringing their grandchildren yeah, yeah, or um, what have you. But our Bing users really were really pulling through for us. So yeah. we decided we needed to keep that as part of our our buy, but it was interesting.
0: What was the call to action? How did you know you had a conversion?
1: Um So we would consider a conversion a ticket purchase. Um, so what that could mean is, um, in most instances, a general admission ticket. So uh-huh. that gets you access to all of our buildings and exhibits. But in a lot of cases, we saw that though we weren't, we were targeting a buy tickets at aqua.org message. That yeah. was our call to action across almost all of our channels. Now, we did have some that were more top of funnel that would either be softer and just be Aqua.org or would be something that would drive someone to like a plan your visit page. Okay. But most of them were pretty direct with buy tickets at Aqua.org. And we felt that the more direct we were, the better that seemed to work, which yeah. is always a nice thing. <laughs> totally. Don't beat around the bush. And um, so we uh, were able to measure success by looking at truly the revenue and the ticket sales that were coming in. Yeah. But we also would find that people would purchase memberships or they would add on a tour or a 4D film or other things that we weren't directly marketing to them. But it makes sense, you know, if they're in that planning process and then they do get to the purchase funnel that we were having success with some other products that we weren't even directly marketing, which is a great thing to see.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned social. Mm -hmm. Did you utilize paid social media or did you do organic where you just, and for those maybe who don't know the difference, uh, organic would just be kind of the page you already have just making a post, whereas paid would be buying maybe like a Facebook ad or something. Did you utilize both paid and organic or well, how'd that work?
1: So for this, for the water is calling campaign specifically, we leveraged paid social media. Um, we have an extremely strong organic social media presence and, Uh, our team has worked really hard over the last, you know, 6 or 7 years yeah. to build affinity and build audience across that page mm-hmm. and we are a little unique because we are a an attraction we are somewhere that is selling tickets but what we have found is actually what our facebook audience is mm-hmm. generally coming to our page for is to learn about animal content to learn about conservation initiatives to see content that is not related to actually visiting the aquarium and we have a lot of national and international facebook um, page fans so we have found that actually when we do direct sales organically that it is not well received so we actually exclude our facebook audience from our facebook advertising
0: okay and i'll just mention along the lines of um, you you mentioned you have a robust um, organic social media presence mm-hmm. I want to plug their Instagram page right now which <laughs> I follow and that's the National Aquarium the handle is at National Aquarium mm-hmm. all one word it is super popular Instagram page fantastic for people like myself that love nature love the oceans love marine life um, so you should definitely be following that and you guys have I have it open right now on my phone 160,000 followers on your Instagram page, so shout out to the Instagram page.
1: Thank you. I certainly wish I could take the uh, halo for that, but we have a really talented uh, director of brand strategy who runs all of our social and content channels, and she's done just an amazing job in totally. curating that content. So if you're a follower of the page, as you mentioned, thank you for the shout out. Um, you see that a lot of it is really focused on content that is really animal or um, you know conservation driven. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and you will see animals that do live in the aquarium, but we also talk a lot about animals out in nature. Um, So that's why we did have to sort of be really thoughtful and not turn off people that might literally just be there for that, Yeah. yeah. but also make sure we're leveraging the power of channels like Facebook. And actually, we started on Instagram stories this spring, and that's going really well for us as well. I would imagine,
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. So did you target people locally? How did that work?
1: Sure. Um, So we have several key feeder markets. Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. is actually our number one market. Okay. Um, and what's really interesting that a lot of people don't think about is actually only 30% of our visitation every year comes from the Baltimore Metro. So 70% of our visitors are coming from, you know outside of the Baltimore metro area or beyond. So we actually do a lot of work marketing to D.C., to Hilly, which is the south-central Pennsylvania area, Philly, and then now with leveraging more digital channels, where it's a little less expensive, we're able to target New York and New Jersey a little bit more strategically and some other markets along the um, Atlantic
0: coast. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I want to talk about challenges. Every project, every campaign presents its fair share of challenges. No campaign is perfect. Is there any challenges you want to discuss that you guys ran into that maybe you overcame or anything like that?
1: Sure. So I think uh, what we, honestly, I mentioned it kind of from the beginning, we created this campaign to overcome a challenge of historically our paid media voice really not lining up with this really strong owned media voice we've developed. So Mm -hmm. in the creation of this campaign itself, we were addressing a huge problem that we found um, marketing leadership here, myself and some other folks around the table and my boss, our CMO, really were getting to a place where we're like, we just can't have this Difference between the voices on these channels, it doesn't feel cohesive, and our brand is so strong in so many places that we needed to make sure it came across in paid media, yeah. but still get people to come spend their money. <laughs> sure. So that was a huge problem. As we rolled the campaign out, I think there were certainly some growing pains because, as I mentioned, HC has really strong uh, team, and then we also have some really smart strategic yeah. thinkers internally. So because of the different ways that we treat our social channels we are a very unique client <laughs> we recognize that so i think getting us all to a good place of um you know ensuring that we were following hc's expertise but also the expertise of our folks in house i felt you know kind of like the mom of of the household making sure all the kids were getting along okay. um and everyone really pulled together and delivered this beautiful campaign but it was it was a unique process for us because you know so much has changed as I don't have to tell probably most people listening to this podcast, in in the media landscape, it just changes so quickly. Yeah. So recognizing that people might have different perspectives on emerging media or, you know, privacy is a big topic of conversation these days. So making sure that everyone was really walking hand in hand as we launched and as we optimized, I think, was the biggest challenge for me personally as kind of the project lead on all of this. Yeah. But it was a fantastic learning process and really set us up for so much success this year yeah. Because last year was sort of almost the pilot, and then this year we were able to take all of our learnings on what performed and on what processes worked, and and then roll out that beautiful creative again in its kind of best iteration. Got so.
0: it. Okay. So, what tips do you have for us marketers out there for running a successful campaign like you guys did with this one?
1: Um, I would say you know listen to all your smart people, <laughs> tackle your big problem up front. That's what we really did. You know we were very intentional. Um, We had actually pushed the RFQ process for a few years because we knew we didn't have all our ducks in a row Mm -hmm. um, to get what we really wanted to out of it. And so um, the timing was right. We were very clear about what we needed to be doing better and what kind of partner we needed to achieve that. And I think, you know, trying to set yourself up for success from the beginning, of course, is ideal, but then you always run into things that you don't anticipate. And I think I would also say to other folks who are in the non profit sector, you know we were concerned that we wouldn't have enough budget compared to you know peers that are not in the nonprofit sector to really get like the market share we needed to make yeah. sure that we achieved our goals and if you bring on the right partner that understands your needs, right. you can be so smart about that and so you know don't be discouraged you know I think that we also, really maximized on the production time we had. So we are still tapping into stills and video clips and things that still haven't aired as we refresh our campaign. So this campaign will be in market this year. It'll probably be in market in 2020. And we, when we did our production last June of 2018, made sure that we just kind of tried to film and shoot for all possibilities. Yeah. So if we learned that something wasn't working on a certain channel, we knew we would have stock that we could pull from. Yeah. And um, we're really at the point that we are starting to do that. And I am so grateful that we took that time to really do that up front and weren't yeah. like, oh, we can go back and get that yeah, because sure. that makes it much easier to be nimble yeah. and to address, you know, current market trends. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So working with an agency Having a lot of people internally that you work with, I find communication to be really important when you have that many hands so to speak touching the the project mm-hmm. do you want to talk about how you guys were able to keep tabs is there any softwares that you use to keep tabs <laughs> other than email you know what anything you want to say on the communication sure of the project.
1: no you're absolutely right and if we didn't have strong internal and external communication with our agency partner we would be lost so that is mm-hmm. really key i wish i had like this is the magical software we used and it makes everything perfect But honestly. No, like, not giving away any trade secrets. What we use with HZ is a master Google sheet that literally is live and tracks. Everything Mm -hmm. Tracks status and then has archives of all the things we work with. Um, And then as far as communications, you know, something seems pretty common sense, but we have a daily status check-in with our agency. Um, We have a workflow that's been approved internally of how we vet things internally, how we get them back, how we bring people to the table, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. um, it's really, I think it was honestly trial and error, but um, making sure as – I think you, I'm sure, know, um, and everyone else knows people have different communication styles. So you're not going to know right away what's going to work, yeah. but adapting and adjusting, making everyone f- sure everyone feels part of the project sounds, I know, kind of kumbaya, but really that's what made it work for us.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, any other things you want to say? I know we talked a little bit about results and how you track results. Is there anything more you want to say, metrics wise, on how the campaign? showed you that it was making a difference as far as metrics.
1: Sure. So uh, I know I mentioned that after our summer season last year we were really pleased with the results. Um, We actually saw a three percent year-over-year increase Mm -hmm. in attendance and that is it doesn't sound like a lot but it's huge mm-hmm. you know what we generally hope for is to be flat to our projections or yeah. you know 1% up is a win so 3% was huge and then we went out of market on labor day and september saw a little bit of a like positive tail from the campaign and we were actually up 4% year over okay. year so and we've seen very similar results this year. So that was a really clear indicator to us. And then the other thing that I think speaks more to making sure that brand voice felt aligned. Um, obviously on digital platforms, you can track sentiment much more easily yeah. than you can when you're putting out a television spot. You know, that's yeah, going to be yeah. more word of mouth if someone happens to give uh-huh. you feedback. Um, so we saw nearly a hundred percent positive sentiment on all of our paid social posts. Uh-huh. Um, and that really felt like we were, you know, hitting the mark because we weren't sure about how a fully integrated campaign would run across social because we hadn't we really hadn't done that before. And so we felt really great about that.
0: Uh, What can listeners of this podcast be on the lookout for when it comes to the National Aquarium?
1: So we are excited, as I mentioned, to really be in market with the best version of The Water is Calling this year. We felt really great about it last year, but we've been able to make tweaks, improvements, see what channels it works best on, roll in some new elements of the creative. So that's what you can actually see this summer. So I hope that you... Do get to see a snippet of our advertising. And, of course, if you're in the Baltimore area, come visit us. It's a great time to visit the National Aquarium in the summer. And on the horizon, um, we're really excited. We're embarking on a web redesign. Um, So that obviously ties hand-in-hand with all of our advertising efforts since we are driving so many people to purchase their tickets online. So we're excited to have a more streamlined ticket purchasing process. And as far as kind of bigger, splashier pieces, Unintended. Uh we are excited to continue. We, love puns, we love puns. Good. We are all about the fishy puns here right. at the aquarium.
0: People
1: oh, <laughs> coming. Um, so we are super excited to continue to enhance the water is calling and get people to uh come and experience the national aquarium.
0: Very cool. So, before we wrap up today's interview, is there any other final thoughts, any anything else we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about?
1: I don't think so. I think, you know, we covered everything with mm-hmm. your excellent interviewing. <laughs>
0: wow. Wow. <Thank laughs> I know. You. That's right? a five-star Yelp review I hear.
1: Yep. That's All right. that's it. <laughs> All
0: right. It was going good until I made that terrible joke. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's nothing else that you you have to say, I will just ask, did you have any acknowledgments, any shout-outs to, to people that helped you on this campaign that you wanted to mention before we wrap up?
1: I would love to give some shout-outs. And I know I, I will embarrass team members, so I'm really delighted about that. Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, I've given... A lot of credit that is well-earned to our team at HZ, Uh, the account team, the creative team, and the media team there are awesome. And internally, we could not have done this work without my boss, our CMO. Her name is Margo Amelia. And my team member, Jen Rudolph, who is our advertising and program specialist, she is my right hand in all of this and really mm. helped make everything happen, including three months of the period where I was on maternity leave last year. So okay. she was really driving the ship for awesome. three months of this <laughs> so
0: cool. this
1: production last yeah. year. Um, and then we also have other great partners, including our director of brand strategy, Nabila Shami, and our uh, manager of digital strategy, Christine Johnson. They're awesome ladies, and they keep us honest, and I'm happy to work with them.
0: Great. So... Where can folks go to learn more? So
1: to learn more about the aquarium, you can check out our website, aqua.org, short and sweet. And uh, we got some lovely shout outs earlier for our social channels. But Mm -hmm. as a reminder, um, we are National Aquarium on Facebook. We are National Aquarium on Instagram. And on Twitter, we are at NATL Aquarium. And all of those channels have really great organic content. And uh, you may also see some of our advertising as well
0: very cool our guest today on this podcast has been emma weselowski emma is the director of marketing programs at the national aquarium here in baltimore congratulations to emma and the team here for their 2019 grand mx award winning campaign awesome stuff thank you so much Thanks for listening to AMA Baltimore Marketing Stories. This podcast is brought to you by the American Marketing Association Baltimore Chapter. For more information about the MX Awards or AMA Baltimore, please visit us at amabaltimore.org. That's amabaltimore.org.